seems a pity to miss such a good pudding. Welcome to Euro Pudding. Welcome. Season 2, Episode 6. Euro Pudding is the European screenwriters podcast about writing and producing better TV in Europe with weird accents. Very weird accents. Hi, my name is Pierre Puget. I'm a French writer based in Berlin. And hi, I'm Philip Schatzer. I'm a German writer. I'm also based in Berlin. And this podcast is made by Sean. That's the Serial Eyes Alumni Network. We are an association of screenwriters and producers from all over Europe who went through the Serial Eyes writing program here in Berlin. And if you know more, want to know more about our writers and producers and uh, members, uh, about Serialize, about Sean, you can check our website, SeanTV.net. It's SeanTV.net. And of course, don't forget to like, put some stars, some whatever, Five you know, stars. vote stars, stars. Uh, in the podcast app you are uh, currently using. Thank you. So this is uh, uh, season two, episode six. Yes. And well... You know, uh, <laughs> what's up with you, man? It's back back at it. You we know, like, like in in, in, in in the summer. Um, yes. Well. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm facing a new problem that I am not sure how to relax. Oh, that's that might be a problem. Let's call it a challenge. I think put it more in a more positive. Yes. A more positive spin. So so uh, yeah, I finished a lot of. Uh, I I had read a few months uh, uh, back to back full of different th- kind of jobs. Yeah, which and is that, a good thing. Which is good, but now it kind of. Uh, you know, finally it's all done. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, um, instead of jumping into the next thing, the next project, yeah. I, I figured, you know what, it should be better to take a few weeks of, you know, relaxing, uh, uh seeing friends, uh, having less, uh, you know, output, maybe more input, more. And, but in the end, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Um, is it been, like, is it like you feel like you have like a bad conscience that you feel like you should work or something that you can't take some time off or what? Yeah. It's like? kind of a weird feeling between yeah guilt, but also procrastinating even the good thing. Also the weather has been shit now, uh, uh and so, you know, like all my dreams of going to read in the sun, you know, like, yeah. like I've, I've, I've gone a bit out the window. But um, yeah, I mean, it's been only just a week. Uh, and also at the same time, I, I'm uh, apartment hunting uh, um, which with my girlfriend, really good thing. which uh, is exciting, oh, yeah, be- but but uh, uh, takes also a lot of energy and in a way feels like a job. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, 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 here in Berlin, it can be a bit of a pain, to yeah. be honest. So, um, so let's see. But uh, um, I have good hope that, that uh, I can learn to relax a bit more. Yes. Yeah, you will do that. You, you should. You should do some like I don't know meditation, that kind of thing. I don't know. Have you ever tried that? Eh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> a bit. You're, I, not a, you're not a meditator. No, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's all I'm missing in my life. You know, but but no, uh, no. But I started a, a training and like a, you know sport, exercising. Again, yeah, that helps. Which, which yeah, it yeah, gets it gets you out of your head. Which is, which is good. Yeah. No, no. But like, um, it's kind of joking. Of course, it's nice to have a bit less to do and and uh, enjoying Berlin in summer. This weekend was Pride. Uh, yeah. I went out. You know, that was that was fun. Yeah, I bet. And what about you? What have uh, you been up to? Uh, you, you are you are back to work. I'm back to work. Yeah, I mean, I took some time off. I mean, I already took some time off when I mean, when when did we record last? I think that was like last time you were very very tanned from your yeah, uh, from uh, trip to Jamaica. Yes. Yeah, definitely. But I'm back to work now. I got back into writing like a pilot of one of my own projects, like a horror thriller. Which I mean, horror thrillers at the moment are not really asked for. 
everyone seems to be looking for something uh, uplifting. That's the key word. And um, yeah, but I think horror thrillers at some point they will be. Yeah, it's, it's, you can always sell a good horror. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I'm also part of a writer's room right now, which is like really enjoyable, which in which we are writing an uplifting series. So um, yeah, uh, but I can't say more uh, about it yet. And I'm also like preparing for the Berlin Marathon. So if you Ooh. want, you can actually uh, at one point we could actually run together. Oh man, I, I never run run more than five kilometer in one but, go. But so, still, so. then I just carry on and you you stop. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. You know what? Why not? I, I do the first five and see how much more I can add. Yeah. Uh, yes. And we also have to start talk about something like really amazing because uh, our last episode actually, which was a special that you recorded during the Syrian Camp Festival in Cologne. On, uh, I mean, re you recorded it on June 15th, which was my birthday, so I wasn't there. But um, yeah, yeah, exactly. We, so, so that, what that's, was that about? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a funny <laughs> little uh, um, anecdote. Um, so, uh, if you are a festival listener, you might have listened to this little special, short, like 10 minute, not even like a nine minute uh, uh, episode that we did uh, uh, in June, which was a little. Uh, in a way, like live on the scene, yeah. uh, a, a recording uh, of a little event that the German uh, uh, Screenwriters Association organized to support the WGA writer strike in the US. Um, and I don't know. I just figured, oh, it, first I want to go there anyway. Yeah. And yeah. I and I just you know thought of putting a little recorder in my pocket. Like, yeah, you never know. Maybe you the, never know. Let's just maybe there's going to be yeah. interesting. And 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 uh, um, and yes. And actually, it was fun to do. And now I'm thinking. I'm I mean, I'm looking for the next event when we could do another yeah. like kind of uh, uh, live European reporting because it was really fun to do. Uh, people were very, um, I don't know, um, it was nice to talk to people and have, have their reaction kind of uh, uh, to an event. And, and of course, uh, uh, because I almost like the same week I listened to uh, the Script Notes uh, yes. uh, podcast of this uh, uh, American podcast who is basically our inspiration for yeah. uh, this podcast and of like, course if you if you're not following this podcast uh, you should because we just copy them but but for Europe uh, um, so the script notes podcast by John August and Craig Mason uh, is really our big inspiration and they were also uh, they asked people if you go to one of these support events send us some audio which I did and they used a lot of yeah. my audio which is funny because I, I had like several friends write me like what it's it's long it sounds like your hosting script notes yeah that was amazing um, I, really, I really loved that yeah so that was that, that was quite funny and uh, yeah and uh, uh, John August wrote me on Instagram saying thank you and uh, that's it that was uh, that was a little fun you know adventure yeah um, maybe this was like our first contact with them you know it's like Star exactly. Trek the first contact first contact yes <laughs> uh, live long and prosper but yes that that was um, th yeah that was a little a little uh, adventure in podcast yeah uh, and if you haven't listened to it yet you should yes and of course I thought uh, uh, oh now we, we on it will go, it will bring us so many more listeners and I think maybe two of you now are listening to this because of this but you know what it makes you even more special yeah it does And today we welcome a big guest, or actually a tall guest. Uh, he was born in Sapporo, Japan, but he is German, and his name is, and I will pronounce it uh, like a, a French in English person, Joachim Friedman, but of course everyone in Germany call you Joachim. Well, Joachim. Oh, uh, even uh, even uh, even uh, more. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's very difficult. Uh, I don't know. What's yep. this you should called? try that again. Peter. No, no. <laughs> <clears throat> so... Joachim Friedman. Oh, oh that's very better. good. Yeah, You're a nice. fast learner. Come on. 
<laughs> yeah, and for let, let us introduce you for those who don't know you. Uh, you are a screenwriter, story editor, and a head writer of a variety of German series. You have written comic books such as like Donald Duck for Disney, if I'm not mistaken. True. Uh, computer games, Die Schlaumäuse, which translates to Smart Mice. That was for Microsoft Germany at some point. Uh, you wrote for famous TV series like uh, Lindenstraße, Für alle Fälle Stephanie, Die Camper, Nicht von dieser Welt, Klinik am Alex and Hinter Gittern, In aller Freundschaft, In aller Freundschaft Die Jungen Ärzte, which I also wrote for, uh, Der Letzte Bulle and the Daily Series uh, Gute Zeiten, Schlechte Zeiten and the Bavarian Daily Der Horm ist der Horm, which is actually where you and I met uh, the first time. You were my head writer there while I was working as a storyliner. And yeah, that's just to name but a few. Yeah, true. Yeah, when when you just mention all this, I think I'm pretty old. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's true. Yeah, and slash all very very productive. Yeah, both probably. Yeah, yeah. true. True. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, and apart from all that, you are also a teacher of dramaturgy and screenwriting at a lot of different film schools, like the University in Hildesheim, uh, the film school in Potsdam-Babelsberg, in the Hamburg Media School. In 2016, you received your doctorate for a thesis in transmedia storytelling. So you are actually Professor Dr. Joachim Friedman. Joachim Friedman. Yeah, that's true. With 50, you know, I thought I, I need some seriousness in my life. Or is, this is right. It's right to say in English, seriousness. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Seriosität yeah. in German is maybe yeah. a bit something different. Yeah, but I, I had somehow to transform into a serious person. Yeah, I think that's that's the point. Yeah. Which you managed to do. I this. hope so. You you can decide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. By, by doing more writing. Um, And you also teach on the international level uh, at the, uh, you're the professor of serial storytelling at the IFS, the International Film School in Cologne. And you also teach in Morocco, in uh, uh, the University of Nigeria. And you are also now one of the core tutors at the Eureka series at the Series Mania Institute in Lille, France. Yeah, that's that's such a cool job, really, you know, because um, uh, we all know you, um, uh, Serious Mania is the most important serious festival in Europe, and they founded this school, and I'm really honored to work there with all these international colleagues and with these wonderful students. It's really um, such a blessing, yeah, I have to say. Great. And you also give a lot of uh, seminars and workshops in storytelling, uh, like, uh, for example, the uh, Master School Trebour in Berlin. And we could continue again and again. Uh, yeah, but, the long story uh, short, to be honest, in my head, you're always like, I <laughs> it's a weird comparison at first when you hear it. Uh, you're kind of like the Doc Brown of the serial world in a way. Because, I don't know, I mean that in a hundred percent positive way with huge admiration and appreciation because I was born in the 80s, so I have a lot of Back to the Future references in my head. Uh, You have wild, chaotic hair. True, uh, yeah. And you're an expert, not in time traveling, but in storytelling. Well, how do you know? <laughs> Actually, why do you think I'm, I was so productive? You know, I was just going back in time all the time. No, um, I'm, <laughs> again, I'm on it. I'm a big Doc Brown fan. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it's true. We share a certain love for wild hair yeah, and mad scientism. <laughs> so yeah, welcome and thanks for being with us in The Pudding tonight. Thank you for having me. Great. Yeah, there's so much to cover. Uh, let's start at the beginning. So, Sapporo, Japan, 1966. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what we want to know is, like, how did the whole journey of becoming a writer, head writer, story editor, and then, in the like, later on, teacher, how did that whole uh, start for you? You, are, you already mentioned when you were 15, something that you had, to be, had more seriousness in your life, but how did you, when did you know that you want to become a writer? 
Actually, very early, and um, maybe actually really Sapporo, Japan, is, is somehow an important point because my father was there teaching at the University of Sapporo, uh, Hokudai, and uh, I don't know, maybe this teaching thing is in my genes or whatever. And uh, yeah, we all know Japan is a very visual culture, and yet as a child I was very confused. You know, uh, I was I was the gaijin, yeah, the 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 outsider, no wanted to play with me. Actually, I'm laughing, but it was a bit sad. <laughs> Just you know, some some bigger girls somehow adopted me, and uh, um, because uh, yeah, they thought I was cute. Yeah, but back in the day, I, I was more yeah, tending. I was tending to to boys. Yeah, or wanted to play with them. Anyway, <clears throat> I was a bit confused in this culture, and one one way into the culture, I think, were the visuals and the stories. Yeah. This is all we all know. Stories are kind of Esperanto, kind of mm -hmm. universal language, and I was so amazed by this uh, this manga and anime stuff uh, already back then. Yeah, and I think from a very early age on, I wanted to become a, a comic artist. Um, But soon I realized that I'm not very talented when it comes to uh, designing, drawing, whatever. Yeah? But uh, in the school, there was this guy, Hank Winninger. He sat next to me and he was just brilliant. Yeah, He was really brilliant in, in uh, uh, drawing. And um, so, uh, and, but he was not a good storyteller, actually. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, sorry, Hank, if you're listening to this. Yeah. Uh, let's say he was a brilliant storyteller, but I was even more brilliant. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we did this. And we thought, actually, this gave us a good feeling because it, it felt so professional. You know, yeah, I'm a, I'm a scenarist and uh, you're the, the um, designer. And yeah, we did this uh, in school. And Then, um, when we were 18, I guess, or 17, we had, there was this, uh, uh, competition from Schwermetall, Metall Alon, maybe you know, yeah, the German version. And, um, uh, they asked for uh, new talents. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so we handed in the story and, uh, we won. And that's, this led to, uh, to a contract with Carlsen Comics, which was the biggest publisher back then for comic books in Germany. And so um, we started our own comic series there. Back then I was a kind of wunderkind with beginning of 20, but somehow this didn't help. <laughs> the, the show was canceled after the third, uh, second season or the second edition, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, still... Um, uh, I, I was I still had a okay name at least at the uh, with the editor because they asked me if I what would like to write the Lindenstraßen comics back then yeah in the beginning of 90s when Lindenstraße was very important like the most important German TV series yeah and I said yes of course I was a fan of Lindenstraße actually and I said yes of course I want to do that and so I wrote um, uh, two Lindenstraße comics. Mm. The problem was the last one, it was much too wild and anarchistic and yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of sex, drugs and rock and roll and uh, uh, the Lindenstraßen guys were not pleased. Yeah? It's like the extended world of Lindenstraßen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we know. I thought we're doing a, a satire here, you know, a yeah. parody. So let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, there was, there was a lot of violence and sex and whatever. And so they fired us. Yeah? Uh. And, um, and then 
maybe this was the most important letter of my life, yeah, because I was uh, I was a true fan of the show, I yeah, have to say. Yeah. And so I wrote to Hans Geisendorfer, which was the creator of the show, very important guy in, in German film history. Um, he was nominated for an Oscar, won several German film prize uh, and Emmys. And um, yeah, I wrote him and told him, I'm really sorry that uh, you were not pleased by my work, but I have to say I'm a real fan, a devoted fan of Lindenstraße. I love your creation. And uh, if this went wrong, I'm sorry for it. I, I didn't mean to offend you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's how I did it. And I, I'm not regretting anything, but yeah. I regret that this is this went so much south. Yeah. 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 And very honest actually a very honest letter yeah it was not like a, oh i want to apologize give him my job back it was yeah. just you know respect from my side sorry for offending you and um then i don't know one or two weeks later my telephone rang and uh, they asked me yeah maybe you would like to write for us you know mm -hmm. under our conditions <laughs> <laughs> i said yes of course yeah and i met with him and uh, he invited me to join the team yeah it was it was a bit more detours actually but um, that was that what it, was it basically yeah? and um, the the strange thing was and this i think this was basically a thing of the 90s you know i had no formal training mm -hmm. at all yeah i just had this uh, i didn't teach myself i taught myself how to write comics mm -hmm. yeah and uh, I never wrote a script before in my life. Of course, I had to write a test script, but even that was was paid pretty well. Yeah, those were the days. Hooray, yeah. large door. Um, but um, yeah, basically, just being a fan. Yeah, I became mm -hmm. a member of the the team. Yeah, and that was really cool. And these were my first four years in script writing. Yeah, from 1997 to 2001. Yeah, it's quite amazing. I still remember we're like watching the uh, Lindenstraße when I was a kid with my parents, and I didn't even know that with like comic books. I, maybe I should have gotten my hands on that on those. Ah, I bring you some. <laughs> I still have <laughs> some copies. Really? Yeah, yeah, I, I, sure, I definitely I need some. to read yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, sure, you sure. have to go to some uh, flow market uh, yeah. somewhere and like find the, the, some gems. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the underground of the series. You know, it's like the comic books. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, let's uh, uh, jump to to like years later. You um, you wrote a book, and which in German title is called Storytelling. English title is Storytelling for Media: Introduction in the Theory and Practice of Narrative Design. So you made quite a journey until that. And um, first question about that: I mean, there are a lot of books on storytelling out there. And yours came out, I think, in it was twenty uh, right? Yeah, mm, and. Mm. How how did that come about? Why did you feel the need to to write a book on on storytelling? Yeah, that's a very good question, especially because there are brilliant books on storytelling out. Yeah, um, many reasons actually. One, I think, from my own biography as a writer. Yeah, because I'm um, being a scriptwriter now since 25 years, I experienced a lot of up and downs. Yeah, mm -hmm. You can imagine. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, what always saved me somehow was my flexibility. Yeah. Um, Of course, I wrote comics out of passion, but it was also uh, an income uh, at the side when uh, when script writing was not going so well. Same same with um, with 
game writing. Yeah, that that yeah. was a job. I was really frustrated back then. Uh, you know, I was working. Um, I learned a lot at Gute Zeiten, Schlechtest Zeiten, really. And um, they are great colleagues. And it's a, you know, I mean, just the fact that they are running now since 30 years uh, yeah. with this with this rating is just amazing. Yeah. But after four years, I felt kind of stuck, and this was like a, a, a difficult time for German screenwriters. There was not so much being produced and uh, so um, I somehow thought uh, okay um, I have to do something else as well mm -hmm. uh, and uh, one thing was um, in fact game writing yeah? and there I, uh, there I found out that somehow this let's say writing f stories for the interactive realm is, is different yeah? mm -hmm. um, and I thought this was very interesting and I, I compared this to script writing and I wrote an article about my work um, for uh, um, VASD which was a um, really cool and important game magazine uh, in, in I think it ran from 2010 till 2017 or something mm -hmm. like that yeah? and um, this article was picked up by Zeit Online Uh, Zeit, very important uh, newspaper in Germany, and I thought, oh, there's something to it. Yeah. Seems, yeah. Um, and so I thought, okay, I'm, I'm digging a bit deeper, yeah? mm -hmm. and that was basically um, the core of my uh, dissertation. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, and what I realized, you know, coming back to your <laughs> initial question, actually, why why a new book? I wanted to write a book which is not focused on the novel or which is not focused on feature film because we all know these great dramaturgy books on feature film. Yeah, But I wanted to write something which is um, adaptable or applicable to all kinds of stories. Yeah. yeah, Because I realized there are some things which I'm always doing in the same way and there are some things which I really which really have to be specific for the media. Yeah, And I wanted to mm -hmm. somehow describe this. This was one reason. And the other reason was that... Um, Most, uh, especially uh, when the, the dramaturgy books or script writing books uh, from America more or less always um, refer to Hollywood narrative th cinema. Mm -hmm. uh, there's now, slowly, slowly, there are also books about series, but it was always about uh, um, uh, cinema and feature film. And um, I thought this is too limiting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and maybe we can also, I think there are more limitations to these books. Um, we can talk about this later on probably but um, my and maybe last point what was very important to me um, most uh, dramaturgy books are, well not only you know I'm, I'm oversimplifying but basically mm -hmm. it's most of the times it's okay how you build your character with a great inner conflict and what's the structure of your story and mm -hmm. your movie yeah. Yeah? Yeah. and I, I knew from my experience and also from from reading that there are a lot of lot lot a lot of other uh, categories or uh, techniques or tools how you want to say it which are very important for example the whole idea of setting which is very important in serious storytelling as you mm -hmm. guys know yeah. yeah because we have a lot of um, arena driven shows yeah mm -hmm. maybe lost uh, Abbott elementary uh, the wire whatever yeah walking these dead. are yeah walking dead these are clearly uh, arena driven not character driven yeah and uh, still they have great characters that's not the point yeah mm -hmm. that this is this is kind of a mistake oh arena driven it must be bad no no it's uh, they still have great characters but the the let's say the engine the serial engine the story engine is in the setting yeah mm -hmm. and to describe stuff like this was very important to me in the book 
Yeah, I also it's also like one of one one specific part that I really enjoyed when I read when I read your book was the that you always like give examples across like all fields of media. Like mm. for example, when I really enjoyed it when one paragraph you gave uh, an example of like uh, you compared something to Lindenstrasse and like two lines down you compare the same stuff to uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic computer game. <laughs> yeah. Like all the stuff mm. that made it like also like the read really enjoyable when you do that. Mm. Yeah, I also uh, highlighted the uh, 12-line where you go from Sisami Street to Pierre Bourdieu uh, going through uh, uh, on top of that in the same 12-line you have Pokemon Last Year in Mayan Bad <laughs> Mad Men. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, 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 and, and there's also a great page uh, on um, uh, Candy Crush, ah, yeah. which, which is very interesting because, of course, it's at the limit of storytelling. Absolutely. Uh, but I think what you what you what you uh, tell about that is very interesting. That there is code and story and setting and, and symbols in all in this uh, and characters, uh, even though they're not very active and, and True, not. Yeah. So, so I think it's a very interesting. Um, Yeah, being able to to switch from all of these genres and and format and 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 have a bigger vision of what stories are and yeah. not just a recipe. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, I like that you see that and that you appreciate it. You know, and that might be actually another reason for writing this book. Um, of course, uh, John Truby's uh, book uh, um, "Anatomy of Story" is a masterpiece. Yeah, no doubt about it. But he's always writing, of course, about feature film mm -hmm. and uh, you know, like the classic drama and you know, very highbrow and elaborate. Yeah, and of course, yeah, we can learn a lot from these kind of stories. But let's face it, more. Most of the people are not uh, going to see a Shakespeare drama. Yeah? They are playing Candy Crush yeah? or they are watching Lindenstrasse. And uh, of course, uh, first, there's a market to create this. And the second thing is, I as a writer, um, I don't know, it, it, I'm not defining myself so much as an artist. I'm more, in my view, a, a creative who tries to reach as many people as possible. But I don't want to do it in a dumb way. Still, mm -hmm. I want, you know, I don't want to be overcomplicated or art housey or whatever. Yeah. I really want to reach people yeah, emotionally, cognitive, whatever. And um, for that, I think it's it's very important also to consider popular genres or popular shows or popular forms, whatever. Yeah. Uh, really, which which are reaching a lot of people. They they are doing something right. Yeah. And yeah. We should we should uh, take that serious and respect that. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a reason why they're popular. So absolutely, put it, put it like absolutely. Really yeah. There's also a question of of culture. I had the same um, great like kind of satisfaction feeling when I read like years ago uh, La Dramaturgie by Yves Lavandier, which is a great book, uh, French book about mm -hmm. dramaturgy and, and writing. And half of his examples are from like Asterix and Molière right. and mm -hmm. and French comedies. And and it's like oh. Um, and of course he can do that because he's a French writer writing about yes. stories, but like, it's so satisfying to read examples that are closer to your uh, uh, culture also, and not just always the, Godf the Godfather. Sure, yeah, the Godfather yeah. is amazing, yeah. but, yeah, but exactly. uh, it's very American also. And, and uh, uh, so I guess having all these examples for also from Europe is, is also what uh, sets your book uh, apart from what we, we usually read from about dramaturgy, which usually comes from the US. True, yeah. yeah um, I, I, actually, mm, I would, would have loved to, to include even more examples from all over the world. I tried this with Japanese examples a bit, yeah, but unfortunately I'm not very uh, 
familiar with uh, let's say African or South American storytelling mm -hmm. yeah, which uh, which is a pity I would love to consider these examples as well to really uh, because my, my somehow my, one of my premises is that uh, storytelling is a transcultural thing yeah? but if we're just using then uh, our stories yeah, which of course even if it's transcultural and this could be another thing somehow to distinguish a lot of elements of storytelling are transcultural but still there are cultural specific stories yeah? and how do they differ How do we, how do, are they doing this, and how is this maybe giving us more freedom of uh, to express our ideas and stories, and not just being stuck in our own culture? Yeah? Because we want to reach, especially now in these days of globalization and in the streamers market, we want to reach as many people as possible from all over the world, if possible. Yeah? And for example, the Koreans are doing a pretty good job. Uh, yeah. For sure. Um, uh, so in a way, when I when I read your book, I, I felt like, oh, this is almost a book about books, about stories, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, a kind of a meta uh, a view over other uh, uh, theories and mixing all these like uh, uh, specialists and people who came, uh, uh, you know, before you. Um, so and then I was like, oh, who do you think should read? Your book. Well, I guess the end, first answer is everyone. But but but, uh, uh, but if you had, a, um, do you have a more precise um, vision of who, who, who is your main target in a way with this book? Yeah, of course I have blind spots as well. Yeah, and I, I realized this uh, getting reviews from this book for this book and also uh, working with it with students, right? And uh, there was a lot of appraisal uh, and positive feedback. But, um, yeah, when you ask for a target audience, I think uh, not just unconsciously, um, I think, uh, even, yeah, I would say deliberately, uh, I wrote it from an academic perspective yeah, because it's published mm -hmm. at UTB, which is like the most important publisher for, um, uh, for, for uh, textbooks, for academic textbooks. And so I had to consider all this academic sources which is not a bad thing i think yeah because they have st a lot of stuff to say especially for example about setting or a semantic space uh, yeah which was not uh, uh, considered by by the dramaturgist from from the us most of the times yeah so we had this guy from estonia yuri lotman yeah and this was an academic not a storyteller yeah um so it might it might have a kind of academic um, touch to it um, and I think this is uh, kind of uh, yeah I, I, I would love how, what's, what's the word for it a nachteil for the book a disadvantage a disadvantage yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it might it could be a disadvantage of the book that it's um, right now it's purely analytical Yeah? And not so much uh, a thing of how to write your story. Yeah? And this, uh, for this, this was somehow, uh, some reviews said, yeah, but now I want to write my own story. How? Yeah? And actually also this was on purpose because I thought, I'm giving you the toolbox. I'm not telling you how to do this yeah? because this is your artistic freedom yeah? and mm -hmm. your, your choice of, of means and your choice of ideas. But um, Maybe I was giving too much space and freedom to, to, the, to the potential creators, yeah. So and and th therefore, um, right now, I think uh, the book the book is very well received in the whole academic community. That's very nice, yeah. But it's I think amongst writers, it's not so well received. It's more like, yeah, okay, it's interesting, but uh, it's it's not helping me in my own work. Could be, I don't know, yeah. But uh, actually. <laughs> 
to uh, really I don't know. I think <laughs> I, I think there's something what 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 I really appreciate is that then it doesn't read like a recipe. Yeah. And and I like I love some of the recipe book like Save the Cat is a very fun read for example yeah, but yeah. but um I, I like that it's more like like you said it's a toolbox it's like hey look a story can have any of these elements that are important and then every of these elements is being analyzed uh, and you even have some little exercise actually at the end of the chapters true. so yeah, yeah, so true. actually uh, just in the english version yeah because my editor said yeah this is needed and they want want it more practical yeah i thought hmm, it's a bit childish if you ask me but uh, okay i saw there are also more pictures in the english version true yeah yeah, also <laughs> yeah actually yeah you know my editor said yeah you know the the americans they are so visual we have to put pictures in it i said yeah. okay why not yeah it's uh, it doesn't hurt yeah um yeah i like that you're saying that that about the recipe yeah because the recipe also uh, tends to become uh, predictable yeah uh, but i have to admit and that was the secret i wanted to reveal yeah um since uh, it, it was really well, well received uh, um, the publisher is uh, planning a second edition and for the second edition i'm giving some recipe <laughs> so <laughs> there will to be put a, some in there yeah yeah there will be a second part now for the book yeah mm -hmm. included in the in the second edition and uh, i will give some yeah recipes but Again, here, yeah, and maybe we can talk about this. I'm, I'm not from the American John Truby, whatever mm -hmm. school that it always has to come from character. Yeah, I don't believe in this, yeah. yeah. And so I want to show at least three or four different approaches. Yeah. Of course, the character approach as well, yeah, because it is important, no doubt about it. But there's this big, big um, uh, misunderstanding or, or um, well you could uh, illusion even say yeah, that it always has to come from character no yeah this is this is such a, a cultural western bias yeah and um, I'm working with this uh, film scholar from Nigeria right now and uh, I'm digging deeper into African storytelling and for them the idea of community for example is much more important than mm -hmm. the the single hero yeah and also the the question of setting yeah um, I read a very very interesting article about the ontology or cosmology of uh, uh, the um, ind indigenous people from Amazon from the Amazonas region yeah the writer is uh, calling them uh, Amerindians uh, I don't know if this is the correct term but I'm, I'm just adapting it And um, they have this, this let's say, uh, idea of the world that every being is basically the same. Yeah? And if you're a human or an animal or a plant, it's just different clothing. Mm -hmm. yeah? And uh, so you could even, you know, if you, if you cultivate uh, uh, plants, for example, yeah, they could be your blood relatives yeah, in their cosmology. Yeah? This is something very normal. And... Um, To, to let's say to treat um, the nature and animals uh, on on eye level yeah and to to take them serious as let's say yeah as, as human beings or beings yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, this this I think this of, of course this leads to different stories and maybe to stories which could save the world yeah I don't want to be too uh, 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 yeah was pathetic? It's nämlich nicht pathetic. No, it's not pathetic. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, 
Is yeah. it like like I don't know? It's like yeah. over overly emotional yeah, yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be overly emotional about this, but you know, stories shape our worldview so much. Yeah, that these kind of stories are needed. Yeah, and not just these Western stories, the single hero which conquer the world. And uh, yeah, you know, it's in the Bible already. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know the the English expression in German. It's unterwerft alles was kreucht und fleuchet und macht euch der Erde untertan. Yeah. At the beginning was the verb. Yeah. That's, yeah, that is no, one. it's it's the the one where where they say yeah you should conquer the world and and uh, um, you know you should like rule, rule the world r- rule the world yeah. yeah you should rule over the over the alles was kreucht und fleucht over the animals and over the plants yeah man should rule over the world mm. yeah and this of course is a completely different mindset and different cosmology and uh, of course leads to different stories yeah? and we can see this in every story in every yeah. American story yeah absolutely and no I agree that that there is um well let's two think that this this character trumps everything idea and also the fact that so many examples and so many analyses are from features uh or novels but like uh, where it's mostly one story True. being finished with True. change happening Absolutely. and and this creates a very very limited uh, uh framework and 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 especially when we talk tv series or when we talk comics or video games well Most of the time, this does not apply. Absolutely, yeah. you're totally right. Yeah, um, this this idea of the never-ending story yeah? and this idea of not transforming, yeah, mm-hmm. which is actually uh, Nicola Luzuardi, our great colleague, once said that uh, series are the art form which is uh, most uh, near to life itself. Yeah, because this is an experience. Normally, we're not changing. Yeah, yeah normally yeah. the problems don't stop. Yeah, that you wake up and then the next day and there's the next challenge or the yeah. next problem yeah and this is very serial yeah I, I, okay up, up to the point where you die but i hope we can somehow skip this yeah, but some more seasons. Of, a few more seasons yeah, yeah. Few more it's, seasons. it's kind of the idea you give your characters in each episode you can give them like small realizations about something but as soon as they've like changed you basically kind of like your story's over yeah absolutely and i think this is one reason why I don't know if you agree, and uh, I hope Netflix is not mad about me, but I think you know, <laughs> Netflix shows really, I don't know, yeah, they were so great five years ago, yeah, and now, I don't know, I'm, I'm not so amazed anymore. And uh, they, have this, they have this pitch Bible, uh, probably you have seen it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, it's out there. Yeah, yeah, it's out there, and they are saying, yeah, there needs to be character transformation yeah it has to be character driven and the character has to change and of course this is killing the serial aspect there's a lot of stuff i like in this document in the beginning like what they think about pitch and and characters but everything that is about the season i think is very very uh, dangerous because it, it, it leads to to long boring movie of a season exactly that's exactly the the description yeah it's a they, they tend to um, yeah to stretch a movie basically yeah? and yeah. this is not the way how you tell a series in my opinion yeah maybe I'm too old school yeah but then on the other hand there were not uh, real really great examples from from Netflix in the last years I would say I mean yeah. also in the document they're using like the, the, the I don't know the most successful ones like Breaking Bad or Yeah, so basically what, a series where you could already look at the entire series and then, yeah. I don't know, maybe they've just sometimes like, I don't know, mixed it up a little bit. I don't know, if, don't think they mixed it up. But um, but of course, if you look at the entire series of Breaking Bad, you can talk about characters changing into something 
but, of course. Uh, but then yeah. you, you don't talk, talk about the uh, specific seasons in a way. Yeah, and also Breaking Bad was designed as an anti-series. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's very weird to use it as a model to write all the other series because it was it was a punk take on on what the series format is uh, by having a character which changes from the beginning to the end and and so uh, uh, it's it's I love the show but it's it's a it's a difficult model to to take. Yeah, very difficult. You know, you really need uh, to know your your skills and tools to write something like this. And we are not all Vince Gilligan. Yeah, it's. I mean, uh, he he really could do it. But also, if you look at uh, Better Call Saul, for example, Saul is not changing until the very end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he stays the same. Yeah, there's not a big. Of course, he's cutting uh, ties with his brother, for example. Yeah, and uh, let's say his relationships are changing, but he himself is not changing. And I would even. Uh, I don't know, challenging, yeah, but I would say also Walter White is not changing a lot because it's laid out in the in the pilot episode very clearly who he is, that That's he has true, a yeah. big ego that he's humiliated all the time, yeah, but, uh, and he's getting more extreme, okay, yeah, and he's a wearing a hat different. at a, a certain, but he's not changing in mm -hmm. this, in this sense, okay, in the end, yeah, when he sees, okay, uh, I ruined everything, mm -hmm. yeah, but... Uh, we, we actually becoming it. himself uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, from the beginning. Um, another thing that, that I find interesting in, in uh, um, trying to get away from this, you know, like there is one model or one hierarchy, but like it's all these tools, is also something that, is this idea of plot, actually, mm -hmm. that, that uh, it needs to be this continuously moving machine. Uh, you have some very interesting uh, example of uh, disruption, like non-logical continuation, yes. but that still tells something, that still creates emotion. And uh, there's the Mulholland Drive example, for example, like this diner scene in the middle of the movie that has nothing to do with the rest. Or, or And I don't know, when, when I watch some great, um, like the last Macquarie movie, like Mission Impossible, yeah. it's barely plot. It's, yeah. it's texture. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, so, and so I think by, by talking only about plot, the classic way, I think limits also what people can what writers can discover uh, about their own work. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the thing about this book and, or let's say the toolbox. I have these 12 elements of uh, narrative design, right? Uh, sorry, 11, <laughs> 12, 12 with including <laughs> the introduction, but it's 11, 11 elements or tools. Yeah. And if I have to put it in a nutshell, I would say, if you get rid of one or two elements, yeah, for example, uh, uh, causal relationships like uh, David Lynch is doing, yeah, um, you have to strengthen the other parts. For example, the theme, yeah, or like I uh, how I like to express it, uh, the uh, um, nar binary narrative oppositions, yeah, um, which is a very technical term, but basically goes to the same idea of theme or controlling idea, however you want to call it, yeah, and let's say. Um, um, a movie like uh, Koyanis Katsi, yeah, there are no causal causal relationship relations at all, yeah, but you have a very strong th theme, yeah, and there are also no protagonists, no characters, yeah. So where's the character driven uh, story here? No, there is not a character driven story, and still it's a great movie, yeah. But it's very very deep into into theme, yeah, and everyone is getting mm -hmm. that, yeah. yeah. It's also you already kind of like uh, 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 jumped to my next question. I was actually about to ask you about this binary narrative oppositions. Could okay. you like uh, uh, just because like well, I think a lot of listeners haven't uh, haven't heard about it. Could you explain it like in, in simple terms what you mean by that? Yeah, well, 
Why not using uh, not simple terms? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, actually, that that would be one thing, yeah, because it's an academic textbook. Yeah. And I, actually, I'm quoting again this guy from Estonia, Yuri Lotman, or this guy, an oh, important uh, semiotician, and he said, "Well, um, uh, scientific truth appears in one semantic field; narrative truth appears in two semantic fields." Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, as we know, a story is always about conflict and two opposing principles. Yeah. And um, we can we can express this opposing principle in two terms many times. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the title like uh, War and Peace yeah, or Sense and Sensibility yeah? um, or let's say in Lord of the Rings yeah? it's um, not well you could say good versus evil but uh, there's something behind this it's freedom versus tyranny mm -hmm. yeah? and every storyline in this vast vast narrative yeah, is about freedom versus tyranny in different shapes and it's also about let's say this is a kind of uh, semantic system yeah it's it's freedom versus tyranny which also means um, uh, legitimate power versus not, uh, illegitimate power yeah and uh, these kinds of, uh, um, of of conflicts appear in every storyline of the book mm -hmm. yeah? so uh, for example Aragorn yeah um, he just can be uh, sit on the throne yeah if, if he's proving himself as uh, the fighter for for uh, freedom yeah Not before, yeah, and um, uh, the the steward from from uh, Gondor, he sits on the throne actually, yeah, but uh, that's that's why he has to die because this is not legitimate power, mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, um, when when Frodo he wants to give the ring Galad to Gal Galadriel, yeah, and uh, Galadriel says no, I'm not taking it because she knows if she's taking power which she hasn't earned then she will die yeah, yeah? so and this this motive is always there and this is it's a kind of semantic system as i said yeah um, freedom versus tyranny and what does this mean yeah, in in all well it's it's uh, you know it, it can be more and more differentiated yeah mm -hmm. of, and but somehow this is the theme which uh, holds the whole story together yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah that's uh, it's 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 uh, fun thing to play with these yeah. uh, with these oppositions yeah because it can lead to a, because the, of course these oppositions are realized in, in many many um sorry i'm going on and on but, totally, but a, just yeah. keep going i like that yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> these, these oppositions are also um realized in in all levels of the book yeah also in the space yeah so um when i was reading i don't know how, how you felt it but when, when i was reading uh lord of the rings for the first time yeah i thought what's going on the first For, you know, I was waiting for the, the battles and the heroes and yeah. everything. Yeah, and the first 30 or 40 pages of the book is just about the Shire. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I don't know why. Why I have to read about this 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 Shire? What, what's going on here? Yeah? Now, with with let's say this uh, uh, more experienced uh, look on storytelling, uh, I realized the first 30 pages, the description of the Shire. They are describing. Um, a space of uh, anarchistic freedom yeah mm -hmm. and that's all about it you know they're describing that there are no policemen yeah there are just four policemen and they but they don't have uniforms yeah mm -hmm. they just have feathers on their head yeah and their only duty is to push uh, the cattle back back on the on the um, uh, on the wider what's right yeah i know meadow yeah on the back on the meadow and and uh, putting them back uh, behind the fences if there are even fences i'm not sure if there are fences 
consensus actually because it's this yeah and there is no king yeah there was this king 1000 years ago and they are sometimes they're referring to him and they they have some some rules which were given by the king but they just they stick to the rules they don't have to discuss it yeah and mm -hmm. even the mayor he has no he's not ruling this country he just have the duty to to do big banquets and stuff mm -hmm. like this yeah and of course then we have the opposition which is mordor yeah one ruler yeah and no fun at all yeah, yeah. it's not green it's black yeah and, and of course uh, also we see in the characters that this principle is yeah frodo is coming from the space of freedom and he's the champion of freedom yeah and the ring of course it's binding both of the principle yeah because it gives unlimited power but it will always uh, it would also make you a slave yeah mm -hmm. what happened to the ring ghosts yeah they had this power but now they are slaves to Zaron and they are just shadows yeah. so you see in, in every aspect of this book this uh, binary narrative oppositions of, of freedom versus tyranny are realized and that makes the novel so strong in my opinion because it's so true to the theme yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, so I really like that idea because, as you just said, it connects to theme and how you can, like, through these, like, two ideas that basically uh, stem from one central idea, they, they, that they really, that you can actually build entire worlds from that. What, what is striking to me is that by talking about it that way, you already convey so much more tools. It's not just ideas and plot and words and, and cards with, like, a logic It's mm -hmm. visual, it's characters, it's uh, it's universe and rules, and, and like already you talked about color. Yeah. So so already there's all these elements of visual storytelling that comes into into action when you when you talk when you think about it like this and not just as you know a character who wants something and with a plot. Of course, yeah. it's they, they they're still there. <laughs> it's, it's there. Yeah, it's also a tool. Yeah, but just one of the tools. Yeah, and I think. Um, yeah, I really like that you see this. Also, the visual side. Yeah, also the phonetic side. It's in the book. Yes, yeah, how how names also refer to this to this principle. But um, uh, this also somehow uh, um, resonates with Robert McKee's idea of of controlling idea and counter idea. Yeah, that's how he's expressing it. There's a controlling idea and there's this counter idea, and then there's a constant fight between these two ideas, and in the end, one idea will win. Yeah, and for him, it's more. I think on a kind of philosophical, thematical level. But yeah, as you said, the, the important thing is that you can see it in every aspect of the story and of a good story. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you can be sloppy, sure. Yeah, sure. we all are from time to time. Yeah, but uh, that, I think again, yeah, that's that's one of the beauty of Lord of the Rings because it's so consistent. Yeah, and you can see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. And even you don't. This doesn't have to be an, uh, a cognitive approach. You feel it as well. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the beauty as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how I usually like uh, find my way into it i have a feeling about it i feel if it's like does it connect with me and then i can like slowly analyze that feeling and then i might yeah. come to my own conclusions and uh, but i usually always go by uh, this film or this story somehow works for me yeah. and then i can like analyze it and find find my uh, find why it works for me in a way yeah. I think that's the beauty of our job because you know this like this emotional connection we share this with the whole audience yeah mm -hmm. but I think it's another beauty and, and pleasure to analyze it and then to see ah now I get it you know just what I just felt now I understand it yeah and that's an additional pleasure yeah, yeah, which, yeah. which we share as writers yeah yeah And actually, also, yeah, sorry. No, it's connected to, to another uh, part of the book that really uh, uh, I thought was quite uh, thought-provoking. It's just one page, but where you, after talking about already probably half of the tool, it's in the middle, you're like, okay, but like, what is the difference between 
a, cr- a good crime story and a police report. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very interesting question because a police report, you know, and I've read some because I, my, one of my first job to make some money in summer was to cl- uh, work at a, a lawyer's office to classify the documents. And so, of course, I, I was not allowed, but I was reading all the, <laughs> uh, 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 all, all the reports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's sometimes even well-written. True. Sometimes it's badly written, but like mm-hmm. so, some detective, uh, you know, like I know how to write. And it can be engaging and there's... Uh, um, all the elements of a crime story, yeah. right? There's a mystery, there's an investigator, there's a victim, there's a pot- there's potential mm-hmm. uh, suspect, there's at the end someone who is guilty, there are people uh, uh, suffering, there's a, a crime scene, there's a setting, there's, uh, so all of these elements exist in a police report. Mm-hmm. And in a way it is a story, and that's your point, like there's stories everywhere, but it's not a good story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely, yeah. Well, it lacks emotion. Yeah, it's in the it's in the chapter about emotion. Yeah, and it lacks emotion on purpose. Yeah, because sometimes it, it makes sense that you don't put too much emotion in this. Yeah, I think it's also in my book. But if not, I'm just quoting it again. There are lawyers, uh, and they are taken serious in the um, uh, in the U.S. Um, and they want to ban stories from the courtroom because they say stories are too manipulative uh, and if you have mm-hmm. not just the judge but the d- jury yeah, yeah they will be manipulated by the stories and the emotion and that's why we have to get rid of this yeah which is probably not possible in in the US yeah because they are so you know they are the story they are the story ad- story addicts i would even say yeah, yeah. and uh, that's why they are so good at this yeah <laughs> they are just great storytellers yeah it's really in their culture so much in their culture i mean talk yeah. about the johnny depp amber heard trial that was yeah. so entertaining oh my God. Oh my <laughs> Just God. for the yeah. stories. <laughs> um, what I also really like about the, the, the uh, we're talking about emotions. What I what I really liked uh, is that is that uh, uh, chapter when you talk about emotions as genres, because mm-hmm. somehow because like you always like have like you connected with two words somehow. Maybe because of like the connection with two words, it also somehow connected to me. Um, I, I found a connection with binary narrative oppositions in a yeah, way. Yeah. And, but I, I, re- I really like that approach that you kind of connected uh, 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 genres to, to basic emotions uh, and to build the story around that. It's like, how, 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 uh, how, how did that chapter come about? Well, actually, I, 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 that that was not my idea. <laughs> it was just an observation, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because horror, yeah, yeah. or a thriller, uh, of course, porn or uh, romance, yeah. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this these genres are, um, yeah, they have the name of the the dominating emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And I thought this was very interesting because these are very, very uh, um, successful uh, genres as well, which mm-hmm. are very old, actually. Yeah. Yeah? Like the two masks in uh, in uh, the antique drama, yeah? or not in the antique theater. Uh, well, tragedy and uh, comedy, yeah? laughing and, and crying. Yeah? Like from the very, very first um, beginning of story of human storytelling, this was uh, such an important category, this emotions, yeah. Even if it came from um, from religious practice, probably, yeah, because uh, back then uh, the drama was part of the um, of the religious uh, and mystic, mystic uh, routine. But uh, still, uh, the, how this evoked emotions in the audience, this was always regarded as a very, very important point, yeah? also by Aristotle and uh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Even though so- uh, Socrates uh, thought it was a terrible idea yeah, exactly. and, 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 and that it would make everyone weak. Yeah, uh, true. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> and maybe he was right. Yeah. Well, you know, Socrates, I mean? Socrates hated writers, you know. Yes. You yeah. know he, yeah. <laughs> he said, we are all liars, yeah, and uh, which is not true. Yes, yeah, some philosophers uh, now in the 20th century just showed yeah. no. I mean, Socrates. they were all like students and teachers back back then and, uh, also, so they had to like come up, come up with like, I don't know, new ideas and they maybe were competitors as well. Yeah, true. <laughs> so true. Actually, that's a great segue to start talking a bit more about uh, teaching. Uh, uh, because you you've been uh, uh, teaching a lot mm-hmm. in the True. last few few uh, years, and um, and I also been teaching a little uh, mm-hmm. in the last few years, and I, I thought it was very interesting to talk about how do we teach okay, other people yes. to write? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like this is the a job that takes ten years to be just decent at, mm-hmm. but at the same time we're trying to in a few months. Uh, uh, um, have people like start their journey. Yeah. Uh, how do you approach uh, uh, teaching people how to write? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one, one very simple truth is that I enjoy it so much. Yeah. It's um, uh, because I, I'm, I love to be in exchange with people, you know, to also our discussion now, you know, yeah. I'm really like, yeah, <laughs> very passionate about this. Yeah. Next time we're going to film it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, it's the same with students, basically. You know, to talk uh, to talk uh, with people about stories, this is just, uh, it's a passion. That's why I like writer's room so much as well. And um, uh, so this, yeah, it's a very intrinsic motivation. But I think another thing is really that I suffered so much in the beginning of my career. I told you I, I was just an intuitive writer because also, of course, there were in the 90s already some... Um, some universities which offered screenwriting courses but only of course only for um, uh, for feature film and only for art house mm-hmm. yeah. all my colleagues in the serial writers world back then they were all autodidacts yeah so mm-hmm. um, uh, none of them was at a film school and actually the people coming from s- film school they failed yeah mm-hmm. um, it's so and I had no formal training at all yeah and It was very difficult sometimes yeah, yeah, because formal training really makes sense. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, But there was no formal training or the wrong formal training. Yeah? And so from the very beginning, I think after three or four years, I decided, okay, I have to, I have to help people yeah, to, so they don't have to suffer as much as I did. Yeah? Because there were so many, you know, if you if, if, if just try an error thing, yeah, it's, it can be very, especially in the serial world, because mm-hmm. you don't have the time to rewrite uh, everything in months. Yeah? No, it has to be there tomorrow. Yeah? Yeah, so come yeah. up with something. Yeah? And I, had, I didn't have the tools. So from, from, from 2001 on, I, uh, I was teaching uh, students uh, in serial writing especially. Yeah? It was really a kind of mission yeah, to help these young colleagues and to help the industry as well, actually. Yeah? And so it was, uh, it was just uh, uh, consequent that, that uh, then I came to IFS, which is known to have a very, very, um, let's say, a market approach. Yeah, they are not so, uh, of course, art is very important. Yeah, it's like the th- source for all creativity. But still, you have to, th- to think about, okay, how I'm going to sell this, how I'm going to shoot this. Yeah, It, it makes no sense just to, to be an artist and without uh, any knowledge or recognition of the market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing at IFS. And I think um, basically a Eureka series is doing the same. Yeah. Um, it has to be, it has to be um, uh, artful, it has to be innovative, but it also has to be marketable. Yeah. 
So uh, it's kind I, of like always this like different differentiation between is it an art, is it a craft, is it like in between the two? Yeah. And then kind of the, there, there is a craft to it. And of course, everyone likes the artistic element when someone is coming up with something completely new. But yeah. then, of course, the, the stuff that usually sells is the stuff that's like long running, for example, or I don't know. So we actually realize, okay, this is actually a craft that I can learn. And I think this is kind of like um, also maybe like why you started teaching then because you had, didn't have the, I mean, you had the complete artistic approach with like yeah. no rules as I understand it. <laughs> yeah, so as a, yeah. the crafty part of it, that would have been like a lot helpful to you as Absolutely, well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you need the craft to execute your artistic ideas. You know, that's, and that's actually, that's definitely something we can learn from, from America yeah, and Hollywood yeah, because they do both. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, like you're right in the sense that you know, when you say helping the business uh, uh, in in a in a whole, because I feel like um, we now experience this, you know, and satellites that we did is yeah. just eight months, but already when we work with people who have the same formal training, the the work goes faster, Definitely. and we speak the same language, Definitely. and so I feel the more people are trained yeah. in the set with the same philosophy spirit i mean there's always differences of course but like the better we can all work together and work faster and better on 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 projects so so th this makes a, a lot of sense mm, absolutely yeah you know uh, basically when someone is asking me what are you teaching basically i'm saying in a nutshell to talk about creative choices yeah? because this is not about oh i like this more than that yeah and uh, this is my taste that's not i'm not interested in taste yeah mm -hmm. i'm inter interested in reasoning yeah? Yeah, yeah which is sometimes of course this is somehow uh, contradictory to the to the artistical approach yeah mm -hmm. but especially if you're doing series and if you're together in room yeah uh, or you have this uh, very dominant showrunner yeah who just tells you write it like i would write if i would have the time to write yeah but uh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, what do you think? Uh, uh, I always feel like um, writing series. There's a lot of layers uh, to a t to serial writing because there's not just the scene or the episode you're writing. There's the season, and maybe it's not the only season, and then all these storylines and different. Uh, so it it can be very daunting and and big, and you can spend a lot of time talking about the TV series, the Bible, the characters, the season before you actually start typing a scene. True. Um, do you feel like it's a, a young writer can start writing, writing series or do you think they should probably have started with short movies, features or something else? Uh, that's, I, I don't have an opinion on that. I just yeah, feel like, I like series has a, add a lot of layers to the, to the process. True. Yeah. You know, I think every kind of uh, storytelling or story writing somehow qualifies you to go into a, a room. Yeah. And um, I think this, this, let's say these new approaches to, to put young writers uh, as junior writers or junior liners into a room and then uh, let them see and watch how the professionals are doing it, contributing actually with their own ideas because they have a fresh perspective mm -hmm. on this. Yeah, and They have a fresh perspective also on the world itself. Yeah, This is very important. I love these really diverse rooms. Of course, this is now kind of fashion. Oh, we are also diverse. But really, I always tried when I, when I was... Um, uh, 
when I was choosing people for, for whom I always try to be as diverse as possible because that's the inspiration. But then uh, there's something very important what you mentioned. Yeah, We have to speak the same language. We it's, Of course, it's possible to have completely different uh, perspectives on the world yeah, and different opinions, but we have to speak the same language to agree on something at a certain point. Yeah, It's not like, yeah, if, if you know, if you, if you have someone speaking English, one French and one German, yeah, that's why we're speaking English together here. Yeah. Yeah? And uh, because we can agree on, on stuff, yeah? mm -hmm. even if we have different perspectives on this. And that, that's the same in a writer's room, I think. Um, that's interesting uh, because that's, that joins another question that I have for you because you teach to, in a lot of uh, international schools with students from all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, so we talk, you talked about before, but like you think stories are in universal language but at the same time like like what um do you miss sometimes with this international international groups uh is there enough in understanding of each other culture uh to you know read each other work or understand it or on the country i'm having this big question at the moment because i've been living for years in germany and i still feel that I'm not capable of writing a German story. Okay. Uh, and and, and uh, mm. um, I don't think it limits my capacity as a storyteller, mm. but mm. but uh, uh, concretely it limits my uh, employability. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, sure. and, and, and so uh, in a university or, or school setting where it's more free, of course, and it's not about you know jobs right away, how do you see that this, let's say to take vocabulary of the streamer, like this, fight between local and global mm -hmm. and and how how do you work with your students on this on these topics yeah well of, of course it's a challenge yeah, i totally see that um and i think we we come again of course to the terminology and maybe also to to the core of the show yeah, to agree on a theme yeah, um very practical example um, when when they asked me to write uh, or to become head writer actually for the home is the home yeah the show where i met philip um i knew uh, that uh, some years ago they said okay just bavarian writers can write for this show because it's so specific bavarian yeah and it is it is actually, it is yeah, yeah it's very, very specific. When, when you come to the scripts and everything yeah, so absolutely yeah and i wouldn't write scripts because i can't speak the dialect mm -hmm. yeah but still um They said, okay, we need Bavarian writers. And then they asked me to, to uh, become the head writer. And I was like, do you really want a, a, a Prussian intellectual hipster from Berlin for your show? No, you don't. Yeah. But they said, yeah, yeah, we want you. And I was really, it was an internal struggle, actually. I was not sure. Of course, I wanted to write a Netflix show and not, not like, you know, this, this Heimat serie. Um, and, uh, but, After watching some episodes, I realized, okay, this is always about community, uh, how to build your community uh, with everyday problems, with everyday fights, conflicts, challenges. Yeah? And still, we, we're still going back to the family, to friendship, to this little village. Yeah? How, it's like society in a, uh, uh, in a nutshell. Yeah? And when I realized this, I thought, yeah, this is an idea I'm also sharing, you know, because I'm very much in all my stories, I started at Lindenstraße, yeah, yeah. which was absolutely, which was like a microcosmos of German society. Yeah? And it was, let's say, it was much more pessimistic than the home is the home. <laughs> <laughs> But still, there, there are some similarities. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And um, 
this is really an idea also in, in the young ads that I wrote for four years. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's also about community. Yeah, with all our differences, how can we build up a society, a community? Yeah, how can we uh, support each other? And uh, I, this sounds maybe trivial or a, a bit uh, kitsch, uh, but this is really the one of the core ideas of this show. And from this moment on, this when this resonated with me, I, I realized, okay, I can do this. And it was it was going very well. You know, I worked there for four years. So, um, and and this is something what what I'm trying at least I'm trying to teach this to my students. Uh, um, You can write together if you agree on this core, on this theme, on this binary narrative oppositions. Yeah? And then maybe there's even the chance that you um, contribute with your own perspectives. Yeah? But then on the other hand, you know, I think none of us would be able to write Dairy Girls, for example. Yeah? There are limits, of course. Yeah? <laughs> What can we do? Sure. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yes, yes. But I think that's because there's a great opportunity and I love teaching international students, you know, because it's great to read stories about countries I've never been to. Yes. And like, like, there's something very exciting about that. But uh, there's also the feel like, oh, you know, there's maybe a, a filter, like a, a limit to what I can Uh, uh, comment and bring to this very Croatian story, for example, or this, you know, even though, of course, it's always about finding what is universal and what talks to, to all of us. But, um, uh, I mean, I think it's more exciting than, than, than not, but, uh, it's, Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also about psychology, you know, how, how you, let's say, how your own personality re resonates with a certain culture. I think I still can feel that I was born and raised in Japan because it's a very, very um, uh, a collective culture. It's not an individual culture. Yeah? And that's why I'm always trying to tell stories about community. Well, I'm not sure if this is the reason, but somehow I'm explaining this my, to my, mm -hmm. myself like yeah. this. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a lot of work right now in Estonia. Yeah? I'm uh, invited to teach there. I'm uh, giving on their uh, film festival, the, the Black Knights Film Festival. I'm, I'm giving a master's schools. Um, uh, I'm consulting serious projects from them. And I was like, why? <laughs> Yeah, but why I'm, I don't know how this happened. Yeah, but I'm uh, really working a lot there, and I think I'm not sure again theory, but I think one reason is because uh, Estonia was strongly influenced by Germany. Yeah? They share a lot of cultural aspects, yeah? and the the whole uh, uh, city of Tallinn was built by Germans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and of course there was also colonialism and uh, you know and oppression of the the natives and so on. Yeah, but still there's a kind of common understanding, a mutual understanding somehow. I think that's the reason. Because I was never asked to teach in uh, Italy or to consult in Italy, yeah? even if my mother lives there now. Yeah? Mm -hmm. But somehow this is still a kind of yeah, terra incognita to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you, have you, did you, have, you, have you ever gone to Estonia before that, before that came about? Or no. did you just, okay. No. Did you just discover that during the process exactly yeah you know it, it also, you know it was it was just you know it was not planned i had this student this estonian student at uh, eureka series and she asked me to um uh, to consult her series uh, after the the course as well and i did it and then i met her um mm -hmm. her producer and he said oh yeah cool let's uh, I see what you mean yeah. could you could you consult <laughs> this other series and i'm doing this festival by the way would you like to come yeah, and so on and so on yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. that's amazing Uh, another question that I have that's maybe more uh, connected again to uh, the book you wrote because you, you touch like uh, it's uh, it's storytelling across 
the the media basically mm-hmm. is something that I discovered, uh, which is fairly obvious if you when you go to the cinema these days or this year especially, is that you discover there's like uh, I can't make a distinction anymore between is this a trailer that I'm watching or is it an an advertisement <laughs> because I see yeah. films nowadays about that. I mean, Barbie's just come out. Mm-hmm. There was Air about Nike, the Super Mario Brothers film, uh, Gran Tur- Turismo is coming out. Um, I don't know. Uh, why do you think that? I don't know. Just uh, spontaneously, why do you think there are so many like films about brands that these days? Do they like give us some kind of I don't know secure? I don't know some sense of security. I have no idea. Is it about all about the capitalism or I don't know? Well, actually, I, I definitely think that they give a sense of security to the producers <laughs> and to the market. Oh, let's do something with Barbie. I think this is a safe thing. You know, there's this obsession about IP right now, yeah. Yeah, which I really think it's it's the death of creativity, if you yeah. ask me. Yeah? And I'm not I'm not amazed uh, or I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't like this, actually. Yeah? I heard that the Barbie movie is great, yeah, might be, and at least they, they did it with, uh, with an independent art house uh, director which probably was a good idea yeah, to somehow mix this very very you know like this uh, this brand from from hell yeah. basically yeah. Yeah, with, with with a unique artistic mind yeah so you can expect something something new and innovative mm-hmm. and challenging there yeah but in the end you know and the the other big hit now is oppenheimer biopic oh my god yeah mm-hmm. where are the new stories the new ideas you know you you would think okay, there's enough happening in the world right now. Yeah, yeah we yeah. could write a lot of stories. I don't know. It, maybe, but this is maybe the thing, you know, we are so, uh, we are losing orientation. We are so insecure right now after COVID and this war and whatever, yeah. Oh, let's find some some safety in, in our stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, I'm just speculating, but... Uh, also, I would say your book, uh, uh, in, you know, shows that stories are everywhere, and there's political storytelling, and I think uh, advertising and and you know brands have been very good at telling stories Absolutely. to to us over since since World War Two and the Marshall Plan all over Europe, and uh, you know, like, and so I think. I think now we are uh, recalling the, the result of this, you know, uh, 70 years of of big storytelling and marketing. And now it seems that these are the big stories that we have to want. Yeah, might be. Yeah, yeah true. But also, like, I, I, when you say this, it's like, it really, really makes me, like, uh, ask questions about myself as well, because I have to admit, I'm sometimes I'm, like, a sucker for these films as well. Mm-hmm. In a way, I mean, I've, like, I also, like, when I go to the cinema, the last few films were seen, I've seen the Mission Impossible one, which is, like, also, like, a, a brand and everything. And you have the, the Indiana Jones movie uh, and, the, like, all these, like, big blockbuster movies coming out. And I also feel like, okay, this is more like a safe bet. And when I think yeah. about it now, for me, and uh, I see all these posters about like really smaller independent films, and I'm really not. Maybe I should be more open to that. So it's a good point. Actually, it reminds me of a question I, I forgot to ask, uh, but it's a great segue uh, because I realized that my young students who are like 2021 yeah. don't know that Mission Impossible was a TV series. Ah, come on. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, for yeah, them, it's, uh, it's for, for them, it's Tom Cruise uh, yeah. uh, movies. <laughs> and of course, why? you know, it, I'm not blaming them. Because they've been around for ages now. Yes. Uh, uh, but it comes to, it, it always brings me, that's, that's why now I always start my, my, you know, before teaching writing TV series, I always spend some time like uh, talking about the history of TV series. Great. Because I feel like, like, you know, People in film school tend to know their, you know, their Murnau and Fritz Lang and uh, their mm. Tarkovsky and Kislovsky, mm. but they have no idea, uh, uh, you know, about what TV was 10 years ago. Absolutely. And uh, do you think it's important to, to 
to look at the past and know and know what was done uh, before in, in TV? I think it's very important. You know, it's also part of uh, our curriculum at, at the IFS. Yeah, we have uh, serious history one week. Yeah, um, because I think it's in, indeed it's very important. Yeah, also to to see how. Uh, you know how they have done it back then yeah because let's say poker face for example yeah, this new series it's a very interesting take on colombo you know mm -hmm. and uh, you you have to know how colombo uh, did it back then yeah before you write poker face mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You, you're standing on the shoulder of the giants and if you're not aware of this yeah i think <laughs> you're, you're you're not i think you're a better writer if you know this yeah uh, definitely so i uh, uh, I totally second you at this point. <laughs> yes. uh, and also because I think so many of the codes that we still use today, even on streamer and stuff, are weird leftovers from very weird reason from the 60s also you know like, like uh, you know we yeah. you know even on Netflix now you write in four acts but like why it's because yeah. on, on network TV in the 60s <laughs> they, yeah. they added a, a new commercial and so you know like there's um, anyway I find it's very interesting but like I feel like there's a, a, a lack of of knowledge of old uh, of old TV. Absolutely, yeah, because it was not considered art, yeah, because it's not con canonical, yeah, and I think this is our duty as teachers and serial professionals to to somehow build up this canon, yeah, and to to show the people or the students what what has been done before, because there are so many, you know, my students also, yeah, they think, yeah, serial storytelling began with the Sopranos, yeah. Come on, yeah, please! Yeah. yeah, there were so really so many great series before, yeah, and uh, yeah, you, you should know it. Yeah? And I don't know this this four act thing, for example. Of course, you can just say, "Okay, I'm writing four acts. If they want that, why not? Yeah, and give me some structure. I'm just following it." Yeah, but to know why this happened, yeah, and how this maybe shaped our um, our consciousness, or let's say at least our perception of of um, consuming a story, I think this is very important. Yeah, and maybe then work against this. Yeah, yeah. which could be an artistic approach based on craftsmanship. Yeah. And also people often forget it's not just like the studying of it, it's like it's knowing about it. It's also like how inspiring it can be in Absolutely, a way to watch yeah. like a series again like Columbo or I mean, I grew up with all the 80s stuff. Uh, I don't know, A-Team, Knight Rider, whatever. <laughs> so, but sometimes, I don't know, sometimes I get like, it's also like they might be a source for ideas as well in a way to just like reinterpret something or look at the world in a different way. And, you know, I think that's also like really, really an amazing part of it. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, and, and I guess to, to finish uh, after talking about the past, let's look at the future because actually you were already in a, a, a small uh, um, uh, part of a previous episode of uh, Euro Pudding while we were uh, showing our support uh, uh, in a little demonstration uh, in Cologne uh, uh, in June. Uh, what, uh, what do you make of these uh, writers and now actor strikes in the US and, uh, and, and what... You know, what's your take and, and what should we think about now here in Europe uh, about what's coming maybe about this fight that they have over there? Yeah, well, full support from my side. Uh, first thing to say, um, it's also so important because I think we don't have the power that they have. Uh, I can't see German writers striking. I don't know how is it in France, but... Uh, You know, mm -hmm. it's more like, okay, I'm happy if I can pay my rent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, and um, so it's very important that they somehow set the rules for the future. Yeah. Um, 
the, the question is, and I think, you know, being in this business now for 25 years, I always had to adapt. Uh, I always, you know, there are new fashions, new business models, uh, new whatever, yeah. And of course, uh, AI is, well, will, will be a big disruption, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. And the question is, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not an expert in, in, in AI, but I think we have to explore our, our humanity even more than before you know it's not like we can follow the recipe yeah, like you said yeah, because following the re recipe this is something the ai will do yeah. and we have to follow our humanity really so doing soul searching and come up with new innovative uh, original ideas yeah. and i think maybe that could be a good thing that will be the end of the obsession for ips yeah because i think you know to transform a novel into a, a script that can be done by ai probably as well yeah. but we are doing the new and good stuff hopefully then it's so pretty hopeful Yeah, <laughs> we have to be optimistic, you know, even if even if we're not, writers tend to be pessimistic most of yeah, the time, right? Yeah. Because and we're skeptics. About we're skeptics. <laughs> and and our, moreover, our, tra our brain is tr somehow trained to always think about the worst. Yeah, yeah. question <laughs> things, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, we work on the long time, like compared to directors or actors, like, like you know, for us, projects are years long. And so there's, a, there's a kind of analytical uh, thing. All right, great. Well, thanks a lot for being uh, with us in the pudding. Let's uh, recap. So where can people get your book? Oh, well, I think in every bookstore and at Amazon. Well, no, we don't want to mention Amazon. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> go to your trusted uh, um, online bookshop and order it, but maybe not at Amazon. It's in English and uh, it's out in English and in German. So, um, if you if you can't speak German, actually, if you want to have the German version, wait for next year when the second edition with the recipe is out. <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> so, not just the toolbox, also the recipe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and the, the English version already has some uh, and also another thing is in the English version I added some uh, examples from documentary which were not in the German version oh, uh, that's, which, that's which, interesting yeah. yeah which is very in, uh, uh, important because storytelling is not just a fictional thing it's also a factual thing so okay we'll put some links in uh, the show notes and uh, for people who are interested in your courses we will also put the link to the IFS to oh, uh, uh, Seri uh, Mania Eureka program what's uh, up next for you yeah that's what, like what's up next for me well um, yeah well, the second edition of my storytelling book I'm developing two series right now um, and I have a project uh, this is uh, silly to mention because I can't uh, I can't announce it now mm. yeah but maybe, but that's what uh, we do uh, sometimes yeah, all the time <laughs> yeah I'm still doing um, uh, also comic books I'm uh, uh, just uh, the second um, collection of my uh, uh, comic series for Swiss Children magazine came out uh, die Mechbande It's a labor of love. I'm not mentioning it too often because it's not so prestigious, but it's mm -hmm. a lot of fun, I yeah. have to say. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it's running since 20 years. Actually. Oh my God. That's yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I think the longest running uh, series that I created. <laughs> um, so, 
Yeah. And of course, yeah, a lot of teaching. Uh, as I said, I'm teaching in, in Estonia, in Lille again. My new students from all over the world are coming in, in September um, to, to start their, their master's program for the next two years. They're coming from um, Pakistan, from India, from South America again, uh, from uh, Brazil actually, um, from Serbia. Well, yeah, this is so inspiring. It's uh, again such a blessing, you know, to have all this. Um, Uh, this inspiration from people all over the world. Yeah. I feel really happy about it. Best way to, there's nothing to add actually. All right. Well, Joachim, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank thanks again guys. for being with us. Thank, thank, thanks you yeah. for, thank you for having me. That was really a pleasure. Yeah. As I said, I loved uh, talking about stories with people who know how to talk about stories. So we learned that, uh, you know, everything can be a story and uh, 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 all the tools to um, build them. That's a really good summary. Uh, to be honest, I, I, I really like liked having him. I could listen to Joachim for ages. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we should definitely, I don't know, have him around at some point again. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like like in your apartment, like, you know, like, like at the corner, just to, yeah, you know, yeah, ready yeah, to yeah. talk more definitely. about, about, about uh, writing? To be honest, like, I, I, like the, I like his passion. I like how he kind of like, I don't know, uh, comes from one thing to the other. And But you still like, you still get what he's saying. And it's just like, I don't know, I could... It's just one of those guys. You can't, you can't listen to everyone for ages, but he's one of them. No, absolutely. I mean, like you said, there's something about the passion of sharing, of helping, of yeah. uh, uh, of uh, uh, trying to give shortcuts to others so yes, they don't suffer true. as much as we did. You yeah. know, like, like the, the, <laughs> this is a, something I completely uh, uh, feel and understand. And it's always nice to to see it in someone else and to get this this. Um, a, a excitation of, yeah. of like, you know, uh, exchanging and then trying to build and trying to, to get better. Definitely. So, so, and this is what we as writers are kind of forced to do all the time, basically. So yeah, so. that's our job. Yes. Um, talking about, um, stories. Have yeah. you have you seen some stories that inspired uh, the cool you? stuff? You mean that we like, cool like to mention? <laughs> It's the cool stuff. Uh, to be honest, uh, yeah, I thought about it, and uh, I actually have no idea um, uh, um, if I ever mentioned this uh, series, uh, mini series, uh, in our first season, maybe. But I'm definitely going to mention it again. So even if I've mentioned it before, I'm going to mention it again because I rewatched it, and uh, I I don't know, I just completely loved it. It's something that it's I don't know completely works for me. It's the haunting of Hill House, actually. Ah. So. Netflix show. I the thing is like how I got back into it was I I, I stumbled upon the pilot script uh, on, somewhere online and I was like okay I was reading scripts anyway and so I kind of read it and uh, I was like okay I gotta rewatch that pilot now how they made it you know a series by Mike Flanagan who also wrote uh, later wrote the miniseries Midnight Mass which I also really enjoyed. And um, yeah, I can totally totally recommend. It's like a it's like a horror family drama, you could say, supernatural as well. Ghosts. I mean, it's the haunting of Hill House, so there's ghosts in there. And uh, uh, but it's like the the, the I don't know the, the emotion of it. Uh, 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 I don't know everything. It's just like I don't know when when you. It's, I don't know. To me, it feels like uh, I mentioned before that I usually go go with my gut and I can approach uh, when I feel that something works. And with the haunting of Hill House, it was just the case. I feel like there were every piece kind of fits perfectly into it. And I don't know, it's like, I don't know, it's barely a horror film or a horror series where I cry at the end. And I did in this one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I loved it. And, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, also it's it's based on so many cliches and true because it's an adaptation of a very, very famous book from the 70s. And so, yeah, the, so yeah. you have already all these elements that you think you know. 
Yeah. And, and then the way he deals with characters and also mm -hmm. like giving every episode a different point of view and all of this is, is, is very smart because it's, it, it um, avoids this feeling of continuation of a long movie that we were talking yes. about. Like yeah. it, it's, it's definitely a series, even though it's a mini series, yeah. every episode has a, has a raison d'être, as we say yeah. in French, you know, yeah. and, 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 uh, and yeah, it's very emotional. And I would not say it's not horror. It, it kind of uh, scared me. <laughs> I, it is horror. It's definitely horror. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I would, it's, I don't know. The way I described it was like a horror family drama in a way. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, um, and, and very good uh, uh, um, actor. And I mean, I think, I think Midnight Mass even impressed me even a bit more maybe because it was even more emotional maybe mm -hmm, for me. But like, mm -hmm. I think both miniseries are yeah. really, really good. And, and probably one of the uh, reasons I might uh, go back to Netflix at some point for months or two, I, I stopped my uh, yeah. subscription months ago. And you for now I don't miss it at all. But yeah. like for, you know, to rewatch this too, I think yeah. I think that's and, and uh, the interesting thing. Also, is I mean, I, uh, it's also like to see uh, in comparison now the uh, I don't know for me the haunting of Hill House completely worked, and then I also watched the I mean the, which is like the the uh, the, the It's not a, not season two. It's the haunting of Bly Manor, the follow up one, and there I don't know these the elements that really worked in the haunting of Hill House. I thought don't really work in this one, and it's like also interesting exercise and interesting to see to watch both of them, but also to see how, in my opinion, it really works in the haunting of Hill House, but it somehow doesn't connect in mm -mm. story elements and characters that don't don't really work in the haunting of Bly Manor. So that's that's what I also found really interesting. So definitely watch the haunting of Hill House. Great. How about you, man? Um, yeah, I, I, um, in TV wise, I think uh, yeah, I watched the little um, the little drummer girl. Mm -hmm. It's a miniseries uh, adaptation of John Le Carré. Mm -hmm. I think it was a BBC AMC co-production. Yeah, uh, it's in six episodes, but actually there's also a version in eight episodes, like in shorter episodes for like mm -hmm. streamers. I don't know. It's a bit weird. Um, it's uh, it's very pleasant watch. I mean, John Le Carré, uh, you know, spy. Yeah. A mix of emotional, personal, and spy stories. It always works for me. I really like the John Carey style. Um, it's directed by Park Chan Wook, uh, the director of Old Boy and yeah. uh, Mr. Lady Vengeance and, and, and um, The Handmaiden. And like, so, so it's amazing, very, very, amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Amazing style and, and, and very beautiful directing. Uh, and uh, with a quite good cast because it's like Florence Pugh, uh, Stellan Skarsgård, and mm -hmm. um, Michael Shannon as the three main characters. Oh, oh that's so, cool. yeah. um, so, so it's a, a bit, good combination. Yeah, so it's a bit <laughs> weird that that uh, it has been uh, under the radar because it's all mm -hmm. great names. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. And, so, yeah. and uh, it's very um, it's very entertaining, and I really uh, enjoyed it. It's uh, um, quickly it's about a, a young. It's set in the seventies, and it's about this young British actress played by Pugh who um, is um, interested in the. Palestinian cause, mm -hmm. and but then he's being um, forced, like hired by a secret Mossad agents team to infiltrate a mm -hmm. terrorist group. Yeah, um, it's it's very good. Uh, and but uh, where, 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 where can, can I watch it? I'm not sure. I watched it on HBO Max uh, through a Swedish account. So, <laughs> okay, so okay, yeah. I, I don't know. So get a Swedish account and then go to... <laughs> well, <laughs> no. get a Swedish girlfriend who has a, a sister who has... A, okay. Uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is actually I, I did, not really exactly, but like I did the, the famous Barbenheimer. The Barbenheimer. The, the meme of the moment of the summer. I actually... Uh, What did you watch first? So I watched in the same week. Yeah. Uh, on last week, on Tuesday, I watched Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. All right. On Wednesday, I watched Barbie, 
And on Thursday, I watched Oppenheimer. So to you, it's not just Barbenheimer, it's Mission Barbenheimer. It's Mission Barbenheimer. <laughs> oh my God. Part one. It's like, it's, it's, it's late in the evening now and I can't think anymore. So it's just, just yes. stupid coming, uh, stuff and, coming out of No, and, and uh, I have to say that, that it, it brought a lot of interesting, I don't know, uh, reflection reactions. Um, and, and I think it's interesting, it's fun to see that people... Uh, you know, have fun going to the movie yeah, and dress yeah. up like everyone wore pink at the screening of Barbie. You mm -hmm, know, like, mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, like everyone wore ugly ads uh, at Oppenheimer. No, I'm joking. Yeah, no one did that. But um, no, my 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 main takeaway. Uh, I mean, I have several takeaways. But like, first, these are three good movies. Mm -hmm. uh, very different. Mm -hmm. These are three writer director movies, like alter yeah, movies. You yeah. Uh, so we got uh, we got uh, so, Chris uh, McQuarrie, Chris right? McQuarrie for Mission Impossible, Greta Gerwig for Barbie, and Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Uh, and it shows it shows that there is a voice to yeah. any these the three movies. And more interestingly, every of these movies is uh, political. There, there's definitely like quite frontal political messages. Even but, in Barbie, I haven't seen it yet. So in particular in Barbie. All right, that's good to know. Uh, I think the word patriarchy is said probably 15 times in, yeah. in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and I would say the, maybe the least political is Mission Impossible, but even so, there's a lot of very interesting talk about AI yeah. and yeah. war yeah. and power That's what I thought as well. that, that, that I think, and it's very well treated. Um, and uh, Oppenheimer, of course, there's all the question about science and war, but like more importantly, there's a lot about the persecution of communists Mm -hmm. uh, during the McCarthyism uh, yeah. uh, era and the importance of union, which is very no, interesting. That's interesting. That's uh, definitely uh, interesting uh, thing uh, to, uh, to in tackle. the world of today. And so this is the very interesting thing is that these are three studio movies, three summer blockbusters that mm -hmm. are actually very specific and very um, have a voice. You know, they are not. They, it's not just one of the Fast and Furious, even though they are all kind of adaptation of sequels, mm -hmm. you know, Mission Impossible is a number seven, but in a very, I mean, one of my favorite franchise uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, movies, Barbie is obviously based on a toy and Oppenheimer is of course a biopic, bit more author, yeah. but it's a biopic based on a book. Uh, but at the same time, I think uh, it's very interesting to see that these studio movies managed to have such a voice, such a writer, director uh, attached and, um, and such a political message and such a success. Mm -hmm. And I think the message here is common studios. Like, why are you fucking over the writers and the, and the actors and everyone in, you know, yeah. work, working for you? Look what can happen. Yeah. Um, if you just like let, exactly. let us work. So, so yeah, that was a very, I don't know. I, th I thought it was very interesting to see these three movies. I'm not saying these are perfect movies. I, you know, I don't want to go into detail. Uh, uh, but good, uh, enjoyable, are, but it's worth going exactly, to Exactly. These are, I spent a really good weeks watching these three movies. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Okay, mean question now. Yes. Can you rate them in your opinion? Like what's number one, number two, number three? <sighs> Just out of curiosity, if you can. Okay, if like gun don't think to- about, Don't think about it too much. Gun to my head. I, probably between the three, but it's very close. But I would say between the three, I would say my least favorite would be Oppenheimer, then Barbie, and Mission Impossible. Uh, but to be honest, like I really love Christopher McQuarrie's way of thinking. I think I would write action movies like he does. I mean, I'm not saying I would do it as well, but like, yeah. like I, I really understand his texture and his, I don't know. There's something about the way he thinks that really talks to me. Uh, it's maybe not for everyone, but like it 
completely, completely works for me. But I, uh, I really enjoy his Mission Impossible style as well. Uh, I, I, might, I might have liked the previous ones a bit more than this one, but I really found it really enjoyable as well. Um, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, even Oppenheimer, I spent a really great time in the cinema watching it. It's quite long and I'm not sure I understand. I'm, see the point of all the storylines in there but 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 it's it's still a very very engaging and fascinating mm -hmm. you know uh, uh shooting 70 millimeter like that for this all these dialogue scenes it's very interesting the cast is great i mean you know like it's these are three great movies and bobby is a uh, very funny and surprisingly emotional a lot of people were uh, crying around me so so uh, and myself i, I maybe I don't i'm gonna see it this weekend probably so, so anyway uh, my point is go to the cinema people it's not that often that that studios uh, american studios uh, offers you know three different interesting movies like that the same week so perfect let's go And that's it for this episode of Euro Pudding. Thank you for listening. It's uh, been uh, quite quite longer, uh, a little uh, bit uh, as usual. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm, I hope it was, um, you know, interesting, as enjoyable. Not uh, uh, maybe even like doubly enjoyable if you could, if that's the right way to put it, because it's longer, so you can enjoy it more. Anyway, or maybe you you have been forced to jog so much longer, so be careful. Uh, we'll be back very soon with more exciting guests. Uh, thank you for listening. You will find all the show notes and the links of what we talked about on the on our website, europening.com, and of course in uh, the uh, show notes of your podcast app. Yes, and please tell your friends about us, subscribe to us, like us wherever you can. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just type Europudding. You can leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you or get in touch at info at europudding.com Almost no one writes us, so please write us, info at europudding.com <laughs>